Glory to Jesus Christ, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their history, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is the story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by the iconography of Father Thomas J. Loya. Father Loya's iconography for your prayer and home devotion may be obtained by going to MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com That's MorningstarBooksAndGifts.com Then click on the Art and Decorative link and click on Icons in the drop-down box or call 630-629-1720 Morningstar Books and Gifts 28 West St. Charles Street, Lombard, Illinois Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. I greet you with the traditional greeting that is shared by much of the Eastern Long of the Church. And happy to say this year, during this Paschal season, we join, we as the Eastern Catholics, join our Orthodox brethren in celebrating this great season of our Lord's resurrection. So our traditional greeting is always, Christ is risen, and you respond, indeed, he is risen. Yeah, this is a lot of fun, actually. In fact, something kind of fun happened to me at my parish. I want to share that with you before we get into the rest of our program today. The telephone rang at my parish this week, and my parish secretary answered, and she picked up the phone and said, as you normally do, Christ is risen, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church. Well, it was a man from the Census Bureau, and he wanted to use our facilities as a place just to train Census Bureau workers. So he asked if we had a room available, some facility that he could just rent out. We said, sure. He says, okay, well, I'll fax you the forms and just fill them out. Okay. So he faxes us the forms, and on top of the form and the little line that says name of organization, he wrote in there, the Christ is risen, Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church. Now, that's not proof positive that we are people of the resurrection and the power of our greeting. So, once again, I say to you, Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. And I'm speaking from Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois. And on this Sunday, we have another theme that unfolds throughout the Paschal season. And this theme is the theme of the myrrh-bearing women. So, just as we did leading up to Lent and throughout Lent, And then Holy Week, during the Paschal season, we have certain themes that sort of unfold the theology, the relevancy of Christ's resurrection. Each Sunday, there's a theme. And this particular Sunday, this is the second Sunday after Pascha, after Easter, our Lord's resurrection, we focus on the myrrh-bearing women. And so we're happy to have a myrrh-bearing woman with us here in the studio. Her name is Tara Malakovic. Welcome, Tara, to Light of the East and Christ is Risen. Indeed, he is risen. Thank you, Father. So you are indeed a myrrh-bearing woman. You have been going through this <laughs> Paschal season, and you are bringing the spiritual ointments to everyone you know, right? I uh, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're going to look at this theme of the myrrh-bearing women with the help, as always, of the prayer of the Eastern Church. The reason why we focus on the myrrh-bearing women is because we, in a sense, become those women. See, the events of the Bible 
are lived out in the Eastern churches in a very real way, in a mystical way, liturgically. In other words, we enter into the events of the Bible, the events of the life of Christ and his mother. We do so by means of liturgy. See, liturgy enters us into a sort of a timelessness. It's not that we're just reliving the past or remembering the past. We are actually stepping into an event, a time that is sort of timeless. In other words, these events of Christ's life, in this case, his resurrection, are events that we are living as though they were happening for the first time. In other words, they sort of span past, present, and future. And so just as the women were the first to go to the tomb and the first to hear the resurrection of Christ, so too do we become those women in a mystical way by means of the timelessness of the liturgy. So this is a very real thing. It's not just something kind of spooky or out there nor is it just something that's a nice remembrance of a past event. It's a reality that is ongoing, and we step into it by means of the characters in the drama, and we do so through the vehicle of the liturgy. As the Mervain women came to the tomb, there are certain things that are significant, and we're going to look at those things through the eyes of the liturgical text that we pray in the Eastern Church during this Sunday of Mervain women. Tara is going to read one of the texts. This is from the evening Vesper service for the Sunday of the Myrrh-bearing Women. Why do you sprinkle your myrrh with tears, O women disciples? The stone is rolled away and the tomb is empty. Behold, life has triumphed over death. The seals give brilliant witness. The guards of the godless have watched in vain. That mortal nature has been saved by the flesh of God and that Hades is in mourning. Hasten in joy, proclaiming to the apostles that Christ, the conqueror of death, is the firstborn of the dead. He shall go before you into Galilee. Now, this text, which is one of many, many rich texts in the liturgical prayer of the Eastern Church at this time, this text is just full of theological implication and of relevancy for us today. That's how these texts always are. That's why we sing them and chant them in our, in our church, because they usher us into the theological significance of the event. Let's look at it closely. Why do you sprinkle your myrrh with tears, or women disciples? The stone is rolled away and the tomb is empty. Now, the details are significant. The stone is rolled away and the tomb is empty. You see, when the myrrh-bearing women went to the tomb, and you notice that detail, sprinkle your myrrh with tears, they were crying, they were grieving. They never, ever expected Christ to rise from the dead. You imagine, these were his followers, his loyal followers. People that witnessed his miracles, his power, his love, his compassion, and his prophecies. He prophesied, he told them, I would have to die and then rise again. But they did not understand, especially what kind of really dashed all their hopes was when they saw this wonderful, powerful man, this Lord and Master, dead on the cross, humiliated, scourged, bleeding, suffering, and dying on the cross. They thought that was it. There was no sense that Christ's own believers, how ironic, his own believers, his closest people, never really expected his resurrection. So the detail about the tears is very significant. They are not coming there thinking, oh, well, we're going to see the Lord resurrect because he told us he would. They're coming there without any belief in that at all. Ironically, as Bishop Fulton J. Sheen points out in his wonderful book, Life of Christ, the people who came closest to actually believing this might happen was actually Christ's enemies, the guards and the Jewish Sanhedrin and Pharisees that facilitated his death and suffering. They're the ones that posted the guard. They're the ones that thought, well, just maybe this might happen. In case there's a little inkling, we'll post the guards and put this big rock in front of the tomb and seal it up. Which brings me to the next point. The stone is rolled away 
and the tomb is empty. The seals give brilliant witness. Okay, what does this mean? It means that the fact that the cave was closed up and yet Christ rose had to mean that no one stole his body. In other words, no one could get in there and roll that stone back. In fact, it was rolled back, as we hear in Matthew's gospel, it was rolled back by an angel after there was this huge earthquake and flash of lightning. It says that the angel rolled back the stone. Human beings probably could not have done it, certainly not easily. And yet Christ was already gone. See, that's the key. Christ's body was already gone. The wrappings were laying there intact, as though his body just slipped out of it somehow, miraculously, what well, it was miraculous, before the tomb was opened. So again, a detail pointing to the reality of this resurrection, that it was not the stealing of a body, it was not a hoax, it was not hiding Christ's body, then spinning this yarn that Christ rose. Rather, there is a proof of it. So let's go on now. It says, The seals give brilliant witness that the godless have watched in vain, that mortal nature has been saved by the flesh of God. Now, there's a proof that God did become a human being, just like we see at his incarnation, at the nativity. He took on our flesh, stayed in that flesh while remaining God, and through that flesh, he freed our fallen flesh, our whole person, from the captivity of Hades, the captivity of sin. So, he, with his own flesh, made our flesh pure once again. He raised it up. And it says that Hades is in mourning. In the liturgical text in the Eastern Church, there's this great drama where we feature the devil as though he's crying and mourning and sighing and saying things like to Lazarus, leave, leave, because if you don't leave, this Lord who's coming into my domain and into my kingdom of Hades, the underworld, just might release all of the captives that I have here, that I have captured and kept since time immemorial. See, the devil begins to see that the jig is up. And Christ comes into Hades and breaks that power and releases all those who held captive, all those who could not, however righteous, enter into heaven. And then it goes on and says, Hasten in joy, proclaim to the apostles that Christ, the conqueror of death, is the firstborn of the dead. He shall go before you into Galilee. Now, it's interesting that Jesus sends the women not out into the world, but rather back into the community, back to the apostles. It would be the apostles themselves, the men, that he would send out to the world, to every corner of the world. But it was the, to the women he first revealed the resurrection and told them, bring the message home first. And isn't it interesting that mothers, women, are so much a part of the atmosphere of a home, a truly loving, warm home. Their special gift is certainly there. Certainly not restricted to that, but that's where their greatest gift is. And in consistent with that, Jesus tells them, Go back to home, as it were. Go back to the community and tell them first. And he'll take care of the rest with the apostles later on. We're going to look more deeply at these liturgical texts with the help of our myrrh-bearing woman here, Tara Malikovic, who joins us today on Light of the East. I am Father Thomas Leia on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's Reunion and to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church. We need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. And now, words of wisdom, faith, and mystery from the monk's cell. Have you read any of the Harry Potter books? 
Certainly, they are very, very popular indeed. Millions of copies have been sold. Why is there this interest in these magic stories that stimulate the imagination? Well, I think part of the reason is that imagination is part of our humanity. People will always respond to a stimulus of their imagination. And the Harry Potter books do precisely this. On the other hand, sometimes the kind of Christianity we present to people is one that is lacking in imagination. I think one of the most common criticisms of the Christian faith, particularly amongst young people, is it's boring. What can we learn from the Harry Potter books to help us evangelize Jesus Christ, to preach the good news? I think the use of the imagination, which is an essential part of being human. We in the Byzantine tradition have a rich, rich heritage of using symbols, incense, music, art, architecture, movement, all these to help, to stimulate the imagination so that the faith of Jesus Christ will not be just at the intellectual level, but will penetrate deeply through the senses, through the intellect, also into the imagination, into the very core of our being. This is Abbot Nicholas Otirios. The monks of Holy Resurrection Monastery, Newberry Springs, California, can be found at hrmonline.org. You're listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. All we ask is a donation of $15 or more, which includes shipping and handling, to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you... You're listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You've heard and seen the news. It's just stunning to get in a helicopter and fly over Port-au-Prince. Everywhere you look, such destruction, such devastation. As the world watches the events in Haiti, you may ask, what can I do to help? As Catholics, the first thing to do is to pray for the victims. The second thing that you can do is to go to Catholic Relief Services at crs.org. That's crs.org and make a donation. Or call Catholic Relief Services at 800-736-3467. That's 800-736-3467. Please help now.
Welcome back to our program today, Light of the East, on this glorious Sunday of the myrrh-bearing women. And again, I greet you with Christ has risen. Indeed, he has risen. I also want to greet our friends, the Keller family, who wrote to me recently from Phoenix, Arizona. Hopefully you're enjoying the program today, that you're able to listen in. Thank you for your email message to us. We do like hearing from all of you, so don't be afraid to call us or email us here at Light of the East. Also, there's an event happening in Chicago, which I'm a part of. It's the Illinois Catholic Prayer Breakfast. This is the third annual one. It's very exciting. We're going to have a great speaker, Bishop Salvatore Cordiglione from the Diocese of Oakland. And if you want information, just go to IllinoisCatholicPrayerBreakfast.com. That's IllinoisCatholicPrayerBreakfast.com. And this prayer breakfast will gather Catholics and all friends of goodwill Illinois together to pray for our state and our country to storm heaven for a new Pentecost in Chicago and in Illinois. Recognizing the new springtime of Christianity, they have set the date for this prayer breakfast this year during the springtime. So again, it's April 30th, 2010. You can go to IllinoisCatholicPrayerBreakfast.com for details. Now we get back to our text. There's one other little detail here, actually two of them. It says in the text, Hasten and joy, proclaiming to the apostles that Christ, the conqueror of death, is the firstborn. He shall go before you into Galilee. Now, Galilee is a place where Jesus Christ told the apostles that I will meet you again. I will meet you again in Galilee. And why did he say Galilee? Because Galilee was a place that they remember with fond memories. It was a time when things seemed to be really good with Christ. He was walking around healing people, teaching them, praying with them. It was a place, in a sense, an era of of peace to an extent in the ministry of Jesus Christ, when he was gathering the apostles together. Remember, starting at the Sea of Galilee, and he would go and teach in a boat on the Sea of Galilee. They would fish. They lived and walked and prayed and learned together. Well, he remakes a reference. He says, after I die and rise, after all this terrible stuff's going to happen, I'm going to rise. I'm going to meet you back in Galilee. And in a sense, it's almost like Christ is being symbolic. He's sending a message to the apostles that we're going to be at peace again. Remember that great, wonderful time we have? It's going to happen again, and it's going to be even better. So he specifically instructs them and says, I will meet you again in Galilee. So you see, every detail in the scripture and every detail in our liturgical text is significant because it brings across the theological meaning, the part that's really relevant for us for our transformation. It brings us into the purpose of all of these events, and it helps to make it meaningful for us. As I said, we become, in the Eastern Church, through our liturgy, the figures in the drama. And today, we are the myrrh-bearing women, taking the news, first and foremost, internally, in our own hearts, to people closest to us, our families, our workplaces, and then beyond, especially if we are called to. Tara, as I mentioned, is a murmuring woman that we have here with us today. Tara, what what has your practice, your experience of the Eastern liturgical and spiritual tradition meant for you as a person? And what has these glorious days of Lent, Holy Week, and now these days of the Paschal season, what have they meant to you as a young woman? I refer to as a murmuring woman. In other words, you're murmuring women, you're taking the message, first and foremost, to your own heart and to those around you. For me, it's it gives me and continues to give me it's the meaning of my my life and my whole existence, and it's the source of which I can continue on living. I think especially I've gotten that through this this Easter more so than Easter's just previous to this. You know, the resurrection matins on Easter, I really felt like like I was there. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt like I was really participating in, you know, in the whole Paschal journey. Mm -hmm. And you had talked about the word mystical and that meaning real. And 
for me, just experiencing that reality and that light and that communion, like in the Holy Spirit, that you can go and venture out into the world. And it's a new, you know, it's like it's a new year. You know, you have a secular holiday like New Year's Eve, and it has no power. The day just changes to another day. But in the resurrection, there's there's like a reorienting toward mm-hmm. toward God. It's like a, a cosmic event. It affects everything, us personally, and everything in, in the universe, really. Throughout your life, were you always a practitioner of the Eastern Long of the Church, Eastern spirituality? No, I wasn't. I was baptized as an Orthodox in 2003. Pri- prior to that, you, you didn't have... Prior to that, I wasn't, I wasn't anything. I, wasn't, I hadn't been baptized. I mm-hmm. wasn't raised any religion, no faith. And so my baptism in the Greek Orthodox Church was my first experience. Mm-hmm. So since then, and then after that, it was through the Eastern Catholic Church. You're now a member of Annunciation Business. Yes, <laughs> now, <laughs> which I did my profession then. I, so I became Orthodox in 2003 and 2006 on the Feast of the Immaculate Conception. I became a Byzantine Catholic. Oftentimes there, there are those who are Catholic, and in particular Eastern Catholic, who may, for their own reasons, spiritual reasons and so on, for their spiritual good, uh, find a home in the Eastern Orthodox churches, as you said, Tara, like, for instance, the, or- the Greek Orthodox, the Russian Orthodox, and also the opposite happens as well. There there are Orthodox Christians who can find a home in the Eastern Catholic Church, because the Eastern Catholic churches, for the most part, most of them, have a spiritualities, liturgical practices, you know, liturgical calendars and so on, that are in many ways identical to the Orthodox churches. Uh, the, the major difference being that the Eastern Catholic churches are in full communion with the Pope of Rome. That's what makes us, therefore, Catholic, as it were. But, but in, in, for most intents and purposes, we are very, very much like the Eastern Orthodox churches, our, our liturgical spirituality, our same mystical approach, the same saints, and so on. And so, in your practice of this Eastern perspective, this Eastern Christian perspective, what would you say to friends? I mean, you know, there was people your own age, other young people, other, in particular, other women who may be searching, uh, who may be dissatisfied, who maybe have nothing. I mean, what would you say to them based upon your experience? I mean, how would you be a murdering woman <laughs> to these other people, especially to other, perhaps your peers? You know, I have a lot of um, friends and people who don't practice religion. Maybe they're baptized Catholic, but don't practice, or maybe they've never been baptized. And I think now it's become popular to do things like yoga. I think women, they want, they're yearning for spirituality. They want something. And I think that for me, the Eastern part of the church has what they're looking for because it it's body and soul and spirit. And everything is through is through the use of your senses and very, very bodily. Like throughout all of Lent, you're doing in the Eastern Church prostrations and singing, and you're you're very aware of your body and 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 how that's going to bring you closer. How that brings you closer to God. It's kind of an, an integrated worship, right? It's, it's definitely an integrated. Mind, so yeah, totally. I mean, not certainly it is in 
in in all the Catholic Orthodox traditions, but there's a kind of a, a, a special sort of genius to it, I think, in the Eastern churches. I mean, each church, East and West, which is part of the point of our program here in Light of the East, has their own respective geniuses. And of course, our main point here is to highlight those, but in particular, those geniuses of the Eastern lung of the church. And certainly that integrated approach to liturgy and the expression of our faith is one of the geniuses of the, the Eastern lung of the church. Also, what is so ingenious is the way that we pray <laughs> and the way that we communicate what we believe as we pray. And so as we conclude our program today, and Tara, we thank you for being a part of it on this day of the Murmuring Woman. I will conclude with one of our integrated theological <laughs> text of this day. Pasch so delightful, Pasch of the Lord is the Pasch. Most honored Pasch now dawned on us, it is the Pasch. Therefore, let us joyfully embrace one another. Our Passover, save us from sorrow. For today Christ has shone forth from the tomb as from a bridal chamber and filled the women with joy by saying, announce the good news to my apostles. Christ is risen. Indeed, he is risen. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support in order to keep Light of the East on the air. You can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. Click on the radio button and then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the Light of the East. To find out more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue this program with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount would be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East 14610. Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610, Will Cook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K, Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God bless you and grant you many happy years. CRI, Catholic Radio International.com.